I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To boldly go where no man, no one has gone before. Everybody, how are y'all doing? Welcome to episode six oh seven. What's the deal with Star Trek? Yeah, because we need to talk about that. If you're tuning in for the Project Shadow podcast and you're wondering what in the world happened, yeah, okay. So we're now going to change the name of the podcast again. And we're doing this for a very specific reason and for a very important reason. And that is, over this week and going forward, I am doubling down on Patreon. So, members of the Patreon are members of the House of the Blue Dragon, and this is the official free podcast of that Patreon, the House of the Blue Dragon. So, if you're finding me in your favorite podcast service, app, Hi, my name is Charlie. I'm a sci-fi fantasy writer. You may know me better as C.E. Dorset, And I'm here to welcome you to a strange new world. That world is contained mainly over at... (laughs) In the brave new world of Patreon. Okay, so over there, if you subscribe, you will be able to get everything that we do all of the podcasts before anyone else except for this one this one will go out to everybody at the same time but the world of the ash dancer podcast the audiobook podcasts that are coming will go first to the patrons and then out to everybody else the writing podcast which will be starting shortly will be exclusive over there for a period of time and then go out on its own feed. But if you want everything, it's all over there. And that's what you have to ask yourself. What do you want? Because it's all there. Now, everything does eventually go out for free. So if you subscribe either to the Omnibus podcast feed over on Patreon, or if you subscribe to the various podcast feeds in your favorite podcast app, you'll get everything. But this is the best way for me to group everything together in one business and figure out how to go forward. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of doing inside baseball episodes of either this podcast or any of the other content that we've put out in the past. But this change with the advent of the House of the Blue Dragon is so important. And it's not just like financially important. It's a way for me to break free from the exclusivity deals that I have with several companies and 
really be able to connect more meaningfully with my readers and with the podcast listeners. And this gives me a way to really get more feedback from everyone and build something real for us. So if you are a fan of my work, and this may be the first podcast of mine you've ever heard, and if so, hi, I am very glad to meet you. But if it's not, or if it is, and you really like what you hear, please head over to patreon.com slash cedorset and subscribe over there. You can follow for free in the Patreon app, and like I said, eventually things will come out to non-patrons if you can't afford to pay. But if you can, as little as a dollar a month really does go a long way to help make everything happen because I'm trying to wean myself off of Amazon and really build a company that does all the things that you all want to have happen. That's why this podcast is coming back and why everything's kind of grouping itself together now. So yeah, I get really awkward talking about myself. I'm sorry. Okay. So on today's show, what I really wanted to talk about is long, strange trips that has so far been Star Trek discovery. Uh, Star Trek discovery. I have such mixed feelings about this show. Such mixed feelings. Like you have no idea how mixed my feelings are because I don't know exactly how to express how mixed my feelings are about this show. Um, when it started, well, when it was announced, you know, we did an entire episode dedicated to whether or not it would be worth it to pay for a Star Trek series. And with some of the other stuff that CBS has announced for the app, I really don't think that, you know, it's going to be worth a lot of people paying for the app more than what we did. We basically subscribed while it was going on. When it went on hiatus, we canceled our subscription. And when it came back, we renewed our subscription. And I think a lot of people are going to do that. We've already decided if it goes anywhere to buy and we think it's going to be something that gets into the regular Star Trek rotation that we do, we're just going to buy it because it would be cheaper in the long run to just buy it outright than to continue to pay CBS all access for the right of listening to it. And that's actually something that got really embroiled in what I'm doing here. And that's why, like I said, eventually everything goes out to everyone. And I think that's how you run a business because if everything's walled behind a gate, you're going to limit the number of people that can see you. I don't know what the ratings are on this because of course nobody's saying they're at least pretending that they're very happy and already talking about a season two. So it was successful enough for them to go forward or not successful enough. And they don't want to end up with egg on their face. And so they're just trudging forward. Who knows? But I still think it was a bad idea for them to put it behind a paywall entirely behind a paywall, a separate paywall and not air it on their own channel and what have you. Um, yeah. So when the show originally started, I 
liked it. And I have to say, everything before the hiatus, I, I basically four. Like, I really like what they did. I like Michael Burnham's character. I like a lot of the characters that they introduced. I liked the sort of double pilot thing that they did and getting to see the Battle of the Binary Stars. Now, I have to say, if you haven't seen the show and you are adverse to spoilers from this point on, there will be spoilers. So, bear that in mind in the discussion going forward, because that's where uh, the show really gets me. All right, so, like I said, initially, I really enjoyed the show. I liked the show. I thought it felt like Star Trek, but a little strange. But I chucked that up to, well, they're doing more the look of the Kelvin movies, the J.J. Abrams movies, which I'm not the biggest fan of, but for a lot of people, that may have been the first Star Trek they ever experienced, and so they wanted to keep it looking the same. So, okay, I will go with that. I think the Klingons look weird. I have a theory as to why the Klingons look weird, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, I actually have two theories, two competing theories on why the Klingons look weird, but we'll get to that in a minute. But beyond that, the new races that they introduced, the new characters that they introduced, I mean, Tilly, I love Tilly. I just... And on top of everything, they gave me something that I've always wanted from my Star Trek, because I'm a huge, huge Star Trek fan. They finally gave me an out gay character. They didn't just give me one. They actually gave me two. And when we found out that there were two, I jokingly turned to Brian while we were watching it. And I said, Oh, well, I guess we know which one of them's going to die in season one. Cause one's white and one's black. And, you know, they always kill off the gay character or if not the gay character, then the gay love interest and, well, of course, it's going to be the black one that dies because they always kill off the black character, too. So, you know, I, I just made a double trope joke, you know, that like with all gay characters, somebody's got to die. It's going to be the gay one. And, oh, it's going to be the black gay one because, of course, that's the one you're going to kill, right? Because unfeeling, heartless companies give in to tropes and we kind of laughed because it's Star Trek and now Star Trek wouldn't do that. Star Trek wouldn't do that. And then they introduced what I feel like is the most pointless character in the history of Star Trek. And by pointless, I, I mean, absolutely pointless does absolutely nothing for the story does absolutely nothing for anything. A pointless, pointless story. And that's Tyler. And the moment they introduced this character, I again turned to Brian and said, I bet you anything, he's a Klingon. And Brian looked at me and he laughed and he we finished the episode and yeah, we both agreed he's a Klingon. He's a Klingon double agent. They're inserting him into the ship so that they have a spy on the inside. And this became you know, kind of a joke, a running joke between us that he's a Klingon and we need to see him in the captain's quarters with the Tribble because Tribbles freak out in the presence of Klingons. And this is how they're going to explain why Klingons look so different in the original series 
was they were modified to look like members of the Federation. This actually goes back to stuff that was in the books before, you know, when they had to explain why the movies changed the Klingons and they come up with this idea that they were fused. They were genetically fused with members of the Federation. So they looked human and that would make them look more trustworthy and thus be more readily accepted as conquerors in the worlds that they were conquering. And in the books, you actually had Klingons that were fused with Vulcans and humans and what have you. So I was pleasantly surprised when they basically went that exact route. I mean, he, they overwrote Vogue's DNA, they crushed his body, they did something to his internal organs, and they grafted a consciousness on top of his own that was Tyler's and Tyler was a real person and blah, 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 which gets revealed later. See, told you spoilers, but it wasn't a spoiler, at least not for me. I mean, I, on Twitter called out like, I think it was the second episode with Tyler that he's a Klingon. He acts like a Klingon. He talks like a Klingon. He, is having weird emotional reactions. He's having flashbacks of some weird surgery that was done on him. And well, of course that's when they converted him from being a Klingon to being human looking. And it was so obvious, painfully obvious and became the first thing crack in this show that upset me is they were drawing out this reveal that Tyler's a Klingon because it was the most obvious thing. We have a main Klingon antagonist, Volk, who is present through all of the early episodes, and then he suddenly disappears, and his right-hand person happens to have Tyler in her brig, and they happen to set up a very easy escape so Tyler can get back to the Discovery. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's obvious. Tyler is Volk. Tyler is Volk. It is... It was not... Uh, if you were surprised, good on you. Um, but it, it, for me, it was such a, an obvious, obvious storyline that didn't make sense. It just didn't make sense why the st he wouldn't be a Klingon. Like, they kept trying to make me think, oh, well, he just has PTSD... Okay, that's why he's behaving the way he is. And I'm like, no, he's behaving the way he is because he's having flashes of his Klingon memory and it's disturbing his mind. And I didn't buy the PTS story. And I guess I'm supposed to be shamed into buying the PTS story because you shouldn't doubt a soldier's PTSD. And uh, it just... Terrible. Just terrible. Like, don't get me wrong. Like Michael, I like what they did with Sarek. I like the backstory there. And I like them actually giving this retroactive explanation as to why Sarek was so disappointed with Spock that, you know, he basically turned on Michael so that Spock could have this opportunity that Spock then turns down. That made so much sense for the Spock character. And I, I really like that. And there's so much in the show that I liked. But this horrible Tyler character that they just wouldn't let go of and they wouldn't just let die and <laughs> they wouldn't just get to the monkey and 
yes, Tyler's a Klingon. And so, you know, we go to hiatus, and for the most part, like, without, with the exception of Tyler, I enjoyed the show. And I think all the episodes up to that point are strong. I think they're good. I think they're interesting. They did some really, really, really good things in there. The time loop episode is so good. I really, really like that. And, you know, the mud episodes, all of the mud episodes, I think, you know, Rain Wilson is a great mud. And I, I hope he's not gone forever. I, I kind of want them to bring him back in season two. Because I really enjoyed his interactions with the cast and everything. And the cast, I really enjoy. And... Okay. So all in all, decent show. Would I recommend it to my friends? Yes. Like, by the time we get to the mid-season break, yes. I would recommend the show to my friends. I did recommend the show to my friends. I told several people to watch it that were on the fence. And it was a good show. And then we come back. And then we come back. And then we come back. And so, now they've decided to make the dramatic reveal of the thing that wasn't dramatic at all. And that is, Tyler is a Klingon. The thing that I've been screaming at the TV every episode since I first introduced him, Tyler is a Klingon. Tyler is a Klingon. Tyler is a Klingon. And how do they decide to do this? By, of course, having the Black K character do something really, really stupid and die. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's pretend, shall we, that you are a doctor. You have just discovered evidence that your patient may be a Manchurian candidate type character. They actually make reference to the Manchurian test in the tests that they've been giving him. He may be dangerous. He may be someone other than who he appears to be. Now you're in a room where he is submitted to testing and you have demonstrated that you can put force fields up against around these people. Do you put a force field around him? Of course not, because you're the black gay character and you have to die. Well, do you tell him that, well, maybe we need to do some more testing and leave it at that and then go tell somebody, oh my goodness, I think Tyler's Klingon and figure out what to do from there because you're not in security and you need to get a security officer in on this. No, because you're the black gay character and you have to die. So what do you do? You you tell him to his face, oh, I think you might be a Klingon double agent and they may have put a false consciousness over yours to hide it, but I'm not sure exactly how to prove it. Oh, snap, my neck's broken, I'm dead. Because this is Star Trek. And we do dumb things all the time in Star Trek. Because Star Trek's known for its dumb characters. Oh, and by the way, he also happens to be black and gay. Did I did I mention that already? Did I mention that already? Culber is black and gay? Did I mention that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he dies. Of course he dies. I said he was going to die. I jokingly said he was going to die the first time they brought him into the story. It was a joke. It was supposed to be a joke. 
He's the black gay character. Of course he's the one that's going to die. He's the chief engineer's husband. Of course he's going to die. That's going to give us some character development for our chief engineer. And we can go on on his tragic story as he may or may not ever find another person to fall in love with. But we can tick that check mark that says we finally introduced a gay character, not just a gay character, but a gay character of color into the Star Trek. Two gay characters at the same time. Isn't that wonderful? Let's, of course, give one of them absolutely no character development. Of course, the black gay character. Let's give him absolutely no personality. And I keep saying black gay character, but, you know, Hispanic, brown, whatever you want to say there. Just fill in the blank. I would have these same feelings if he was a second white character white gay character because of course he had to die we had too many we beat our quota we can't have more than one you should feel lucky that we have just one and it it, you can hear it in my voice it enraged me and i'm still livid about this so of course we have a minority queer character on our show they have to die And you can say it's for story reasons, but it's for a stupid story reason. So that doesn't justify it in my book. Because it was obvious that Tyler was a Klingon. You didn't have to fall into a horribly discriminatory trope twice to reveal that Tyler was a Klingon. All you had to do was have Tyler go into the captain's office and have the Tribble go... Because... It would do that. And none of them would know why. Well, the captain might. But he probably wouldn't say anything. And that's for reasons we'll get to later. Because Lorca is an interesting character. I feel let down that Star Trek did this. Because so many of the other storylines are so good. Michael's storyline is so good. Saru's storyline is so good. I really like, so Tilly, I really like the character development and growth we've seen with Tilly. So good. I really like it. Lorca's storyline has been amazing. I really like Lorca's storyline. So, Stamets. I I really like Stamets' storyline until, oh, of course you had to get him addicted to a substance that caused him to lose his mind and endanger everybody in a faraway place and kill off his lover. Because, of course you do, he's the gay one. And that's what we do with gay characters, don't we? We make sure that they have a tragic addiction to something. You know, the mycelial spores. And then we kill them. Well, we can't kill Stamets, because if we kill Stamets, there's no way for them to get home. But wait, we have two! We have two gay characters, so we kill off the other one! Yeah. And to make this look like it's for story, and to build it into the story so people like Charlie won't be livid about this decision, we'll build it into the... We'll build it in. And so, when Stamets is trying to figure out how to get out of the Mycelian... My little weird inner space or whatever it was that he was trapped in for a little while there while his drug addiction to mushrooms. Yeah. Was 
keeping him comatose. Let's have him have this wonderfully touching moment with his dead spouse. Because, see, now it looks like it's part of the story. See, we needed it for two things. This is how he figures out how to get out of the mycelial network. And this is how we find out that Tyler is a Klingon. See, two story arcs require us to give in to this horrible trope. So we had to do it, right? No, no, you really didn't have to do it. And I'm not saying that you have to keep all your gay characters alive. That's that's not what I'm saying, and I've had some people online try to take it that way. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is, give us a season. <laughs> Just give us one season. Because that's all they had to do. If this exact same thing would have happened in season two... It probably still would have upset me because Wilson Cruz is one of my favorite actors. I really like him and I was excited to see him on Star Trek. But he survived a season. He beat the trope. The trope said he would have had to have died in the first season. He didn't. He survived the first season. You escaped the trope. That's all you had to do is let him live for one season. If you want to be killing off characters willy-nilly, and this show has killed off a lot of characters because it wants to be Game of Thrones in space, fine. Kill off your characters. Have fun with that. But even Game of Thrones that likes to kill off their characters willy-nilly, they, they kind of paced out when they killed off their two horribly underwhelming gay characters. You know, the ones they gave no character development to, the ones that were just kind of there to tick a box, the ones that are castigated and mocked and ridiculed for being gay, you know, like we would do in the 17th century because we're trying to be historically accurate, even though we're living in the really real world where, you know, I don't really want to watch your only gay characters be horribly stereotyped and attacked with homophobic slurs every time somebody mentions them. But of course you're going to do that because, you know, I've come to expect no less. But that's all, that's all you had to do. You know, surprise me. Don't, don't willow me. Don't willow Terra me. But, oh, you willow Terra'd me. And I, I'm... Oh. At some point, I'm going to rewatch these episodes, and I'm going to see if I can get past this. But yet, uh, it really gets me. If you can't tell, so what are we going to do going forward? So I, I have not stopped watching. I am not one of those people. I don't like to just rage quit out of something. I like to try to give it time to explain itself, and I am glad I didn't quit out because by the time we got to the most recent episode as of the recording of this podcast where we have the revelation that Lorca is actually mirror universe Lorca and again I told you spoilers you were warned that was huge for me because I didn't see that one coming in hindsight I probably should have I really probably should have seen it coming because once it happened it was like Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 
But no, I, I didn't see it coming. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that you distracted me with this horrible, horrible red herring subplot about a character that doesn't matter. And they might find a way to make Tyler matter. But in the grand scheme of things, he doesn't matter. His character has had no effect on the story whatsoever, other than to satisfy that which is necessary for a trope. I mean, he's he's done nothing. And I'm hoping he does not survive the first season. Like, that would make me happy. He has to go. They don't have to necessarily kill him. You can make him go away. But whatever you do, just just do something good with him. Because you've paid for him. <laughs> you bought it. And you have to use it well, somehow. And so after this week's episode, Brian and I sat around talking for a long time. And we're both not sure whether or not the horrible Tyler subplot and the Stamets subplot were simply there to distract us from the Lorca plot because they were so upsetting and unnecessary that we spent all of our time griping and talking about them and didn't spend as much time on Lorca because... I, I was just curious to see where they were going with him because he didn't act like a Federation captain. And, you know, I'd seen some of the speculation videos that maybe, just maybe he was, you know, Section 31 or something like that. I thought they may have been giving us something of a redemption arc for him where, you know, he was so tragically wounded by the loss of his last command that he's kind of overreacting and we're eventually going to get him to find, you know, a back come back to a center Maybe I, I I didn't spend that much time thinking about it. And in hindsight, I should have because it's one of those things. In hindsight, the revelation that Lorca is from the Mirror Universe is blindingly obvious. I should have seen it coming. And bravo, bravo for not letting me, for, for, for pulling that one over me, on me. I didn't see it coming great but I'm still stuck on what happened I don't know if the really obnoxious Tyler subplot and what happened to Culber's character to Hugh is enough to make me not like the show it did do something for me that I found bizarre and that's you know when I was talking on Facebook with a friend she pointed out that this is why she watches the Orville and in so many ways the Orville is almost and well actually with the exception of some of the jokes some of the jokes go too far sometimes but I really do love the show and it's almost a better Star Trek than Star Trek is now as a parody of Star Trek yeah, go figure. And if you all want to talk about the Orville, we can gladly talk about the Orville. I would love that. That would make me very, very happy to go in and discuss that and see what we want to do with it. Because, yeah, that would be amazing. 
because there's a lot of interesting stuff to do there because it's a very well-written show that has done topics that should have sent me running out of the room with my hair on fire, blinded with rage, that didn't because they actually were more sensitive about it than the new Star Trek. And that's really wrong. I mean, it's not wrong, but it, it's a comedy. It, it builds itself as a comedy. It has really crude humor in it. And that's half of what makes me really, really love it. But, yeah, it's Seth MacFarlane. It shouldn't have these really interesting think pieces buried within it. Like, it has one of the more interesting prime directive episodes of any prime directive episode I've seen of the original Star Trek and the episode that it did on the Mucklin's gender. I, we could do an entire episode on that because it made me mad and I really liked the way they did it at the same time, which is almost an impossible feat. And I know by the time I get to some of the LGBT panels, that's probably something people are going to be raging about. Because if there's one thing our people can do, we can rage. So, I don't know what my final thoughts are on Star Trek Discovery. And I would really love to hear yours. Because, you know, I have some cisgendered heterosexual friends that didn't have anywhere near the reaction that I did to Culver's death, to Hugh Hugh Culver's death. Um... And I understand that, because and I wouldn't expect that. It's it's something that I've become accustomed to, and I find it like one of the things that I have lauded Killjoys for is they introduced an interesting gay character and didn't immediately kill him in the first season. And he's actually gone through several seasons. I'm not quite caught up with the show. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but they actually made him an interesting character, and. Uh, I had kind of given up on, you know, TV or mainstream sci-fi to be able to do that. So, you know, kudos to them. That's something that, you know, I've respected that show for. And I wanted to have those same feelings for Star Trek. And if this had happened on a Killjoys or some other sci-fi show... Like, if this had happened on the Orville, it, I'll be quite honest, it probably wouldn't have upset me as much. Like, when they started doing that gender episode on the Orville, I had braced myself. I'm like, this is the episode that's going to set me off. Like, they've tiptoed around some things, and they've done some things that could have, but this is the one that's going to do it. This is the one that's going to get me, this one right here. And when it didn't, I was pleasantly surprised, because it's Seth MacFarlane, I expect him to trigger me. You know what I'm saying? It's what he does. He's made an entire career out of that for the most part. And when it didn't, it was a surprise. And I think for Star Trek, I have a bar set so high. Because I think for me, I mean, I really am a huge Star Trek fan. Even when Star Trek is bad, it's not terrible. There are very few things that ever happened in Star Trek that, you know, I, I have that, you know, can we erase that from the canon feeling? That's kind of like Cybok, you know, Spock's brother in Star Trek V. Star Trek V is a little 
<laughs> and maybe a couple episodes of Voyager that I'm not 100% in love with. And, you know, I didn't like all the weird time travel stuff that they did in Enterprise. But they they never kicked me out of the series. They never upset me. Does, does that make sense? I mean, prior to this, the only gay character we ever had in Star Trek is a character that you don't know is gay. But he was. Kind of. Technically. In theory. And that's, if you've ever seen um, Star Trek First Contact, we're introduced to a brand new character. A, I believe it's, it's Lieutenant Hawk. Who, of course, dies in the episode. In the movie, he's uh, converted into a Borg. And later, in a novel that was not a prequel novel to that movie, they made a big deal out about the fact that they preemptively outed him. That, okay, so now he's gay, and he died. I don't care. One of the best parts of Star Trek Beyond was when they outed Sulu. Because we all know Sulu has a daughter. We never hear anything about Sulu's wife. The closest we get to Sulu being a straight character is actually in the Mirror Mirror episode. And that's Mirror Mirror. Mirror Universe could be different. You could be different in so many ways. I mean, you know, in Deep Space Nine, the Mirror Kira was wildly bisexual and very flamboyant about it. Which... You know, regular universe Kara, well, you know, Kira wasn't. So, you know, things could be different over there. We never got that in the original series. And for them to out Sulu like that, I thought was a great thing. And it was subtle. It wasn't a huge thing. You just kind of see pictures of him and his husband and his, their daughter. And they are on the space station. They have to go save at the end, which gives you kind of an emotional tie to it. But it's not that huge of a thing. They didn't paraded around and i really felt like star trek discovery was parading it around we have a gay character we don't just have one we have two <laughs> look how good we are we are star trek we have two gay characters and we're going to let them kiss because we are star trek yeah okay so you let them kiss that that's a big deal because usually when you introduce a gay character they are a you know, sexless cipher that people can write their own stories on. But, okay. And I think, you know, what lets me down the most is that, you know, a joke I made when we met Hugh for the first time, when we met Hugh Colbert for the first time, that, oh, now we know which one's going to die in the first season. It came true. And it was a joke. It was a joke born out of pain because oh, you've given this character a lover. Of course, that lover's going to die, so we can deepen the character themselves. And I joked when they first started playing around with the tardigrade that I don't know how, but somehow Stamets is going to get addicted to the mushrooms. And of course, he did because he's a gay character and he has to have a drug problem. I just can't wait to find out what Space AIDS is probably work that in somewhere 
I don't know. I just expected better from you, Star Trek. That's how I felt. I would love to know what you guys think. So, my ladies, gentlemen, and all genders in between and off to the side, let me know. You can head over to houseoftheblue-dragon.com. Find all the social media links there so that you can contact and say, hey, let me know what you thought. You can comment on this episode. If you liked what you just heard, please spread the word. Let other people know what we're doing over here. Because it's a lot. (laughs) It's really a lot. I need to get better about talking about it. And that's part of what we're going to be doing on this episode. On the series. So, what is the House of the Blue Dragon? Just in conclusion, the House of the Blue Dragon is going to be a place for us to talk. And sometimes it'll be like today, where I just kind of rant about Star Trek for a while, because that's what I do. Sometimes it'll be about a book that I'm reading. I really want to talk to everybody about the Pillars of Reality series. If you haven't read them, Jack Campbell. I'm behind because he's writing them faster than I can read them because I've been writing a lot and haven't had the time to read. And I'm already like three books behind, I think, because he's writing them very, very fast. But they're not long books. And yeah, I want to talk about them. (laughs) So I will be trying to get caught up with all that. And yes. So... We'll probably be talking about stuff like that and other books and maybe some comic stuff because I like to read comics, TV shows, movies, you know, life. Sometimes we'll get philosophical. It's going to be a little bit of everything. But mainly, this is a community show. So if any of you have a topic that you would like me to bloviate on for a while... Please send it in. I would love to get your recommendations because it's always nice to know what you want me to be talking about because that would be nice. (laughs) So yeah, this is the first podcast back in a while on this format. I hope you're enjoying it. will be a weekly podcast probably coming out on Wednesdays in the future. I just wanted to get this episode out. I was really Happy with the new music at the beginning. I don't know if you liked it or not. Let me know about that in the comments, too. Don't forget, if you do like this, rate us in your favorite podcast app. That helps us to get new subscribers. And if you really want to support not only this podcast, but the books that I write, the first book in the House of Blood and Flames series, Labyrinth of Souls, is out now. And... Book two, The Raven Song, is currently in the process of being written, and you can follow all of that over on the Patreon. So, or on any of my social media. I kind of talk about that almost exclusively because I'm a boring person, and most of what I do is just work. (laughs) So, yeah, that's it. If If you do like us, head over there, check out the Patreon. If you can, give a dollar. Give a dollar if you can give more or you want to. Please do, but whatever, even if it's just retweeting this or sharing it, it means the world to me. Thank you all for your support over the years, and I hope that I don't let you down. Until next time, this is Charlie. Have the fun. <laughs>